Hi, I'm Daniel Schrader. Hi, I'm Matthew Rodriguez, and we're co-hosts of Pop Stars, <laughs> the podcast where we look at the star charts of pop culture. I'm so excited for today. Today is one of my favorite movies. It's probably in my top 10 favorite movies, Really, honestly, along wow. with Jurassic Park. This all is right. just a way for us to discuss all of my favorite movies. Yes, going through Matthew's hits. We'll yeah. be done. We'll, the podcast will end after 10 movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite movies, we are going to talk about Ever After today. Yes, the Drew Barrymore vehicle from 1998. From 1998, July 1998. You got it. And um, first of all, let's just start off by saying that the star that we need to be talking about is Drew Barrymore. Oh, no she question. Is a star in this film. Yes. I find that like sometimes people don't get what you mean when like people are acting like a star, but there are there are like actor performances, but then there's like star performances. Mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz and Charlie's Angels a star. No question. Like there is like Drew Barrymore in Ever After is just like wow. She right, which is actually interesting. Movie. A great comparison because Drew Barrymore is not doing a star performance in uh she's doing Charlie's a, Angels. She's doing a solid supporting like she right. like she, she knows under- Cameron Diaz is the star performance. Right. Well, she also executive produced, like, more so than Cameron or Lucy Liu. She was an executive producer. Oh, I didn't realize that. The reason that the Charlie's Angels in the reboots don't use guns is because Drew Barrymore doesn't like guns. (gasps) I love that. She's the producer who made them do kung fu instead of, like, have guns. Because in the original 70s show, they did, Mm -hmm. like, use guns. And in the whole whole thing with Demi Moore in the sequel is, like, back in my... Yeah, she says, like, back in my day, we used guns. Drew Barrymore did not Uh, want guns. I love that so much. Yeah. Thank you for letting me know that. Um, so as you can see, this is now Drew Barrymore podcast officially. Yep. Um, so yeah, let's, so, I mean, you, before we started recording, you had said that you hadn't really watched it since high school, but do you have any memories associated with it? Do you have any, like, how did you feel about it before you watched it again for this? I just remember it being beautiful and really, let's be real. The thing I remember is the butterfly wings. And that, I mean, yeah. That's it. That's Every that's gay remembers the, whole the butterfly thing. wings. Yeah. I didn't actually remember that Da Vinci was in this movie. Oh. Or anything. Oh, like, yeah. There's a lot that I did not register or remember. Like, if I had watched this, like, maybe five years after I'd watched it the first time, I would remember all of Angelica Houston's lines. Right. But, like, yeah. No, this is, this is a very gay movie. Very gay. And also told in the style of Ethan Frome, where that one woman is like telling the story, uh, going back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also very Princess Bride in a way too. Yes. With the like framing device. But But she's telling the actual Brothers Grimm how the actual Cinderella story went. Of course, because all of those were real. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sorry, but my only Brothers Grimm are Heath Ledger and who was the other one? (laughs) Well, then it's clearly just Heath Ledger. It's just Heath Ledger. I don't know who the other one was. Exactly. It had to have been like some... Matt Damon or something? No, he would have been too old, I feel like. You're right. Anyway. You said Heath Ledger. Maybe Jeremy Renner? Yeah. I was going to say who's the the guy from A Knight's Tale, but it's Heath Ledger. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Heath Ledger and Heath Ledger in a different wig. Right, exactly. Anyway. Um, um, The twin Brothers Grimm. Yes, but... This movie for you clearly holds a much more. Oh yes, closer... I mean I love this movie. It was it's kind of like one of the romance movies that I 
most fully glommed onto as a, as a kid and, and would watch a lot. And also, Drew Barrymore holds a special place in my heart. Mm. I, she's one of my favorite actresses. I think she's a severely underrated actress. I would agree with that. Um, and she gives a star performance here, and then there are other movies where she both gives star performances and some where she does give actressy performances. Star performances like in Scream. Like in Scream and actressy like in Grey Gardens. And I would maybe argue mm. writing Cars with Boys. Mm-hmm. Where her and Brittany Murphy are both actressing. <sighs> Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've just, I mean, it was a movie that I had on, like, DVD that I watched all the time. And of course. I just loved it. Um, so, you are the one who decided where and how we, where we would place this so that we could figure out its star chart. Yeah. Where, where'd you land? Well, I mean, I put it in France. Okay, that's what I figured. The only place that I felt I could really, so, obviously, the dad at one point says he's going on a trip to Avignon. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, trips weren't that far back in the day, especially if he promises he can be back in a week. You yeah, figure, France isn't that big. Yeah, you figure you have to travel a day each way or whatever by, mm-hmm. by horse, or you can just have a heart attack and die. Um, but Was it a heart attack, though? It was a stroke. It was either a yeah, heart attack. Yeah, no, I know. I just, I always like to think that Angelica Houston poisoned him. <laughs> um... So yes, that's where the location that I used, and then I used its release date, which um, was in July 1998. I think it was like the 31st or something. Yeah, I used the exact date. I don't have it in front of me right now. I have the chart, so yeah. apologies. But all good. Um, it is a Leo, mm-hmm. Sun and Leo. So I mean, we're not going to go through everything. We're going to go through everything eventually, is what I mean. So let's just start with the Sun and Leo because this movie is a Sun and Leo. You always go, when I read the chart and then I watch it, I'm like, how are these all going to, and then I come out of it, I'm like, It all falls into place. It fell into place. Um, For me, I mean, there is literally a line that I wrote down where the prince, who is not Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, no, but but is. But is not not Patrick Dempsey. Exactly. um, Looks at Danielle DeBarbrack, which is one of my favorite names in like all of film. And... uh, He's just like, how do you live every day with such passion? Mm. Like, he literally says a turn. I was like, Leo. Yeah. Leo's son. Leo oh, son. totally. No question. See, I also saw it in, like, just the prince's showiness in mm. general. Like, he's very much just, like, even though he doesn't want to be the prince, or like, he doesn't want all the trappings of responsibility of it, he also is very much that, like princely guy in a way if that makes sense well he's also playing a role there's times where i you can see how he like um understands what he has to do even when he like tries to fight the rumani peoples yes the rumani peoples who are in the film like that always that moment to me feels like he doesn't actually know how to fight like he has a decorative sword and he like tries to do it but he's doing it to show off as like a prince. But I mean, I know we don't always we in the past. I mean, we've only had two episodes, but I know we've we've not always been the nice to Leos. But Leos are very passionate and yes. expressive people. And I mean, this the thesis of this movie is like if you are just a fountain of passion, you can make someone fall in love with you, mm-hmm. basically. And like that is what draws them to Danielle. And I was even thinking about um, first of all, Danielle is kind of like an uh, a manic pixie dream girl in her own way. Definitely. Like, um, but in the sense of like her being like so into reading and philosophy and science. So she's not like, she's not exactly like the indie movie pixie dream right, girl. Right. She's not Natalie Portman taking her headphones off, making you listen to the shins. Right. But she will make you read Thomas More's Utopia. Of course. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, no, I just thought like it was so funny that like at the center of this Sun and Leo movie is the most Leo like person that you could write. Like totally. Yeah. I well, and I also think that uh, for me, one of the most Leo images is what we've already mentioned: the butterfly, her like entering the ball or the mask, right. and it's just everyone, their heads turned and. And it's such a, that's such an interesting addition, kind of, because, like, there is no, I mean, like, Cinderella obviously always walks in in a beautiful gown that's made by magic or whatever, but I guess, you know, you don't think of, like, it being a head-turning moment where everyone in the room has to look at Cinderella. You mm-hmm. always get the sense that she walks in and the prince sees her. Right. But, like, this was an instance where they made it so that everyone in the room had to look at what she was wearing because she was wearing fucking wings. Yes, she was. And it was incredible. Ugh, I loved it and so much. And she says, breathe, just breathe. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. No, I, I love it being a Leo son. As a Leo rising. Hi. <laughs> um, so let's... We can go on to... it's. Which is actually the hardest placement for me to talk about is it's Moon and Scorpio. Oh, I have some thoughts. I need to hear your thoughts because this is one that I struggled to talk about, to to take notes for. So I'm really excited to hear you. So I think that like uh, the Scorpio Moon actually comes out in ways like for me, the uh, with the like kind of the the mood swings that Angelica Houston's character can have between like being super nice but then actually like below that is like she's vicious and kind of just always scheming and things like that but also I think like for me one of the the two biggest scenes are um the daughter burning the book Mm -hmm. that felt very Scorpio moon like I'm just doing this to be vindictive and to fuck you but then also Drew Barrymore sentencing them to the laundry well, that's funny. We're going to talk about that again a couple of times, I think, because I thought that fell under different places. But I also know that, like, for Scorpio Moon, like, Scorpios are very deep and mysterious. And, like, and it's funny you mentioned kind of the philosophy of, like, still waters run deep, but with Angelica Houston. I th- I see that a lot with Danielle DeBarbarak in that, like, I mean, they everyone in the movie except the prince has a very surface level understanding of her as a servant and mm-hmm. this movie is about like how deep and passionate she is for certain things and how like well I would say the other servants know how deep the other her, servants but like, know yeah. yeah the nobility are clueless they think she is just another one of the serfs which is weird because also like she wasn't before he right. married like, well, the one thing that I mean there's so many just like logical fallacies and weird inconsistencies in the movie but it's like Everyone is always like, she's a servant. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm a servant because you made me one. Like, right. I was, I am literally like the daughter of the man you married. I'm not a servant. Exactly. I was always confused by that, though I just kind of chalked it up to like not understanding uh, French politics. Well, I mean, I don't think this movie understands French <laughs> politics exactly. But, Fair. But I, but it does, I mean, we'll get, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, yeah, but I also think that, like, the for me, the Scorpio moon comes out in the, like, the way that her desire to kind of, like, remake the world is, like, a deeply personal one. Mm. It isn't like, oh, I've, like, read books, so I know, like, better than you, and I understand the world. But it's like, no, I deeply feel for these people. Well, I mean, even when she frees Maurice, which is such a great moment, and then when she goes to the prince and says, like, yeah, you freed one guy, but what about all the other ones? You didn't even look at them. You didn't even look at them. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, no. So yeah, that's where I found the Scorpio moon myself. But, uh, well, let's move into what goes 
is kind of like a continuation of what we were just talking about, which is Libra rising. Yes. Because this is Libra rising. Mm-hmm. There are so many. First of all, she is all about almost, it's not even like an internal balance. Like she wants to see the world around her balanced. She Definitely. Gives, first of all, she gives the talk basically about the prison industrial complex to mm-hmm. the prince. Yes. And for those who haven't seen it, well, first of all, you need to obviously, but then also like she gives the speech where she says like, you make people poor, which turns them into thieves just to live. And then you punish people for being thieves. She's basically like saying what's wrong with America. Yes. Also side note, funny how many times being shipped off to the Americas is a punishment in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime someone's going to be punished, they're like, you will go to America. I do love it. At a certain point, they were like, well, we've decided to start paying them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no. So she is all about kind of balance. And I, I, I put it, down that there's other ways that she does that as well. Um, I think that one of the ways she does that in not necessarily a like very positive way, not, I would say not necessarily a very healthy way, but a way that she does it to survive is by like being deferential to her stepmother who has like trapped her as a servant and like kind of finding a way to live in the means that she has been given while trying to break out of them and like trying to make the best with what she has. Well, you know, and that, that what's interesting about this movie is that I actually feel like the structure of it is interesting because not only do you have the Ethan Frome part, but the beginning of it is actually like, oh, this woman or, you know, Danielle is motherless. So the arrival of Angelica Houston, we know because so no it's a Cinderella one is story. Right. Like we we know because it's a Cinderella story that it's not gonna that she's not gonna be good. But to Danielle, she under she thinks of it as a rebalancing, like, oh, I'm gonna have a mom and I'm gonna have sisters. There's gonna be this thing, and then that goes south. So And this, that heartbreaking scene where she's like, Was there ever a point where you yeah. thought of me as your daughter or whatever? Like exactly. or you ever loved me? Like it's just so sad. And then she finds out because she actually believed in the best of Angelica Houston throughout the whole thing until Angelica Houston says that she's a pebble in her shoe. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you had talked about it as Scorpio Moon, but I also saw it as Libra Rising where her punishment is like, it's not above and beyond. It's just equal to what I've been subjected to. So for 10 years, you know, she's been her chambermaid basically. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, she doesn't say for 10 years, but she's like, you're going to work in the palace and you're just going to like be dying sheets purple for the rest of your life. Yes. Oh my gosh. I loved them falling into that vat of dye. That so funny. was comedy. Yeah. Oh, truly. See, that's the comedy part of the movie. I was thinking about like, the making of the movie, like, what's the day where they were like, Angelica, you need to fall into the purple dye at one mm. point. She was like, is it purple dye day? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the final day of filming. Right. <laughs> They've been counting it down. Um, I also saw the Libra rising just in from a visual perspective in like mm-hmm. how immediately alluring Drew Barrymore was as a, like when she put on her noble clothes and everybody just like bought her as that and just mm-hmm. she was like she just fit into that world so well even though like she wasn't really raised in it in a way because she was raised by her dad until she was like what eight nine but then she was stuck as a servant for probably another eight or nine years and so like i don't know she just inhabited that so well and moved so seamlessly through it she really like understood the water she was living in even though uh she felt so out of place there is a friend of mine who's a Libra who always, so he says it himself. He's, he says that like Libras are very much about appearance. Mm-hmm. And there, 
was a lot about just like who you appear to be in the movie versus who you are. So it is almost like liberizing Scorpio Moon. Like who you are needs to project a certain thing. She needs to project that she's a comtess. Um, she needs to project that she's these things. And even Marguerite and the uh, Baroness are trying to project certain things. Well, and even you think about like the the prince who's at first perceived as a thief. Right. Yes. Oh, yes. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's Libra Rising. But let's move on to uh, Mercury. Well, yeah, actually, because that goes, that is exa- Mercury and Leo, if we're talking about this, the planet of communication. And I actually wrote down when she throws the apple at the prince, when she thinks he's a thief, that is like, uh, I'm expressing myself through self-righteousness, self-righteousness, expressing myself through throwing an apple at you Mm -hmm. as their first meeting is a very like, uh, Mercury and Leo type thing. Yeah. I also think, uh, how dismissive drew, sorry, how dismissive Danielle is of the prince. Like when he doesn't get it, I think that that kind of came off to me as Leo Mercury, where she's just like, no, like I've like told you, I know I'm right. And like, she just like has that confidence about it. And she's just like, Oh, well I don't have time for you if you don't get it. Well, yeah. Like not only is she a son and she is son and Leo, the movie is a son and Leo, but she expresses herself as a Leo as well. And, and when the Prince comes back to say, you know, that he took their horse, Mm -hmm. you know, Angelica Houston says that she's mute. Yes. And the prince says, well, she she expressed herself quite forcefully, yes. which is like how I would describe a Leo talking to me. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I don't think there's actually any other Leo placements, but th- this is such a Leo movie that I actually wanted to talk about the other Leo in the movie, which is Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, though honestly, I think he comes up more with the Aquarius placements, but okay, we'll get to that. Let's wait no, for but that. no, please, Leo da Vinci. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, because just, I mean, like he's the one who makes the gown, he or he makes the wings, makes the painting, makes the painting. Like there, it there is an understanding of Leo da Vinci as like the arbiter of beauty in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I, 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 tr- I wrote down something about, I, I wrote down Leo da Vinci for Mercury and Leo at one point. I didn't write a lot of notes with it, but I just wanted to point to him right here too and be like, there is this sense of opulence around Leo da Vinci. Definitely. But I, there's also some other like mystic quality. Like he's kind of the, the mystic character of the movie. He is the fairy godmother. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. The um, fairy godmother was science. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about Venus and Cancer because this movie is a Venus and Cancer. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it is. Oh my God. I mean, I mean, it, it's a romance movie and there is a love story at the center of it. But I also think that like all of the decisions that are made about falling in love are emotional ones in this mm-hmm. movie. Like it's about what we are witness to what Danielle is feeling. And there's like an awakening that's happening in her and, and all this stuff. And so, and even, you know, Cinderella, the story itself and this movie are about like falling in love for station versus falling in love for love. And I think that's one of the reasons that Cinderella persists. And this one persists is because also like, I mean, I talk about this elsewhere, but like class is all over this movie and also obligation. Obviously mm-hmm. they say the obligation line like three times, Yes, but Danielle is able to kind of like, flout all of those obligations and be like you should just fall in love with me because you love me right well i also think that um the cancer and venus comes through so much in the um the marriage scene 
or the like wedding scene where you have the Spanish princess sobbing and she's such a comic character. It's so great. With no lines. No. She is like the She funniest. steals the movie. Yeah. I wrote down somewhere like she is the star of the movie <laughs> because she was. Um, but like, I think that the Cancer Venus came out for there, came out there because obviously he like realizes, oh, I can't go through with this, both for myself, but also for this woman who yeah. like clearly has so many other feelings that she like and wants loves to this bald man. Oh, I know, good for her, good for him. Yeah, um, but also I think in that scene is also where the um, the French king and queen are like. Oh, well, at least we don't have it as bad as them because the Spanish king and queen start fighting. And like that also felt kind of like a cancer Venus moment to me because they like they are they were kind of realizing because throughout the movie you're told like, oh, they were just married for like right uh, obligation. And this is all like we don't really love each other. But it did feel like at that moment, like, oh, there is actually something here. Mm-hmm. And they do like they have developed something here, even if they never had it to begin with. Well, there's a sense that like when you're only like if this were a movie that was like venus and capricorn or something or venus Mm -hmm. like virgo be like okay they get married for love for not for love for obligation that makes sense but like this movie making the argument ultimately that you should marry for love and that even people who are usually obligation minded know when to step aside to let emotions rule mm-hmm. because they ultimately get to laugh at the couple who the the Spanish couple who don't understand that. Yes. Um, and even in a sense, like the king does say, like, if you find someone to love by midnight at this day, like I will let you marry them. Like there is this sense that like love is there and it takes Danielle to kind of like move their, the mountains and stuff. Definitely. So the next thing is this movie is a Mars in cancer. And I love this placement. I love the back-to-back cancer. Oh, yeah. And they're at a really good place. Um, So Mars is the planet of passion. And also, I want to say confrontation. Well, I mean, like, Mars action. And that's actually a great word because I do think someone, Danielle, throughout the movie just acts based on her emotions 100% of the time, all the time. And that is both a positive and a negative. Like, there were times where I was like, maybe we don't call Marguerite a spoiled cow. Maybe we don't, like, go out the night before the ball giving... I know, like, probably Angelica Houston wouldn't have let her go either way, so, like, get yours. But, like, you know, she makes so many decisions based on emotion that in the situation she's in, not knowing how it's going to end, like, seem like really bad decisions. Oh, totally. I, I think that it's very much her being so sensitive that she wears her heart on her sleeve. Like, yeah. you you see the emotions under the surface the whole time, and she she loves to get in a fight, but because of how deeply she feels about it. And I, there's actually another aspect that I want to bring up for Mars and Cancer, because... I think Mars is, because we were talking about passions and also confrontations, I think it also is how you enter into confrontation. Mm -hmm. And we all know cancer is not only being emotional, but cancer is kind of like the sign of the home. And their cancers are very home-bodied people. And one of the undercurrents of this movie is that like Danielle is trying to fight for her house. And it is funny the way that, like, it's it's a small through line that really keeps coming up. Like, the tapestries go missing, the candlesticks go missing, and she is, early on, when she's first dressing up as a comtesse, she says, you know, oh my god, why is she out there buying a brooch when she can't even keep 
keep uh keep up my father's house Mm -hmm. so she really has this sense of like wanting to keep her father's house and i feel like even all the work that she does yes like um angelica houston makes her do it but she also does it because she wants to keep her father's house yeah, well, because well, cancers are so for. protective. Yeah. Cancers, like, their feelings are so deeply guarded, and they want to guard those feelings and the things that give them those feelings. And so, like, it makes a lot of sense that she would want to, like, continue to keep this house thriving, even when she says, like, why are you not, like, basically she yells at Angelica Houston, like, why are you and Marguerite just not off in the castle so that I can take care of this house? Exactly. Type of thing. Like her, it's funny because at that point, it's right after the ball and she knows that she's not going to be with the prince or knows in quotes that she's not going to be with the prince. Mm -hmm. And to her, like winning is just having her house at this point. Like she would just love it if Angel Houston got out of her life and she was allowed to just like take care of her father's home. No question. Um, But I think that one of my favorite moments of uh, Cancer Mars, for me at least, is Marguerite screaming about the bee. Oh my god! Ugh, like because there's so much that she's actually screaming about, but well, then she yeah. has to reel it in and realize. Freud would like, love Marguerite. Ugh, God, right? That would I, I would love to watch them in a room together. Marguerite's such an interesting character because she's not the brains behind the scheming of Angelica Houston. No, but she's so savvy in her own way. Right, right. She has learned how to she's a feminine wiles person i mean the moment where the camera makes fun of her for wanting to eat the chocolate and like Mm. just opens her mouth (laughs) i love that moment it's so funny it's it's so funny but also relatable (laughs) (laughs) oh god i've admitted too much Um, All right, so now on to jupiter yeah so her jupiter sign is in pisces and jupiter is a lot of things like it is luck and fortune but also success and and how we find it and um you know it made me think about not only we know pisces is a font of wisdom and a very deep and emotional sign i also thought about leonardo with this when she first encounters Mm. him because um in the 90s they just loved to make movies where their heroines like soak in the water like i'm thinking about scarlet letter with demi moore okay yeah yeah like just like a lot of bat a lot of bathing but like uh, drew barrymore in that same like the movie trying to communicate to you how deep and passionate she is by being in the water and meeting leonardo da vinci there in his boat shoes in his boat sh- oh my god the boat shoes i love the boat shoes because also Those like would sell for thousands of dollars right now oh no question Mischief can't wait to branded <laughs> boat shoes. why are they not on the mosquito runway right now exactly but like i also just love that scene because you can clearly see that he's like walking on like a plank or something right below the water <laughs> but anyway but yeah well i overall for me it's funny i think that a lot of the luck quote unquote that it's like you know they say like you know success is luck plus preparation or something like Mm -hmm. a lot of the her fortune and her success in this movie is because she is kind of deeper than the women around her yeah you know like danielle reads utopia she loves philosophy and science and like the prince falls in love with her because she is a much deeper person and marguerite as much as she is comical well it's kind of that thing right like comedy portrays people as worse than they are so if you're going to be a comic relief character you're kind of going to be a little bit dumber a little bit not as deep as the heroine of the movie and marguerite is that it's also funny to me that like marguerite is the competition in the movie like like they never introduce like 
other people who are of higher station or whatever to actually like she picks up the ball in the tennis match and like mm-hmm. it's just like who is going for marguerite over drew barrymore she's drew barrymore i mean great question but also she's covered in soot she um, is. But I think for me, the Pisces and Jupiter comes out with Drew Barry. Well, Danielle's tendency to just be the martyr. Mm. Like, just the martyr complex that she has of, like, well, like, taking it all on and trying to solve everything herself. Um, that's where that really came through for me. And also just, like, her desperate idealism. Like, yeah. there's, no, like, nothing can disillusion her. Even to, like, the very end, it felt like. Even though when thing, the hits kept coming, she was just, like... Well, but things could get better. Well, what's interesting about the movie is that, I mean, she's supposed to be like 17 or 18, obviously. Because mm-hmm. um, it's only been 10 years from when her dad died. Right. So let's say like 17, 18. And I mean, you know, also like in fairy tales, they're all like 13. Totally. Um, so like, but it's she's 13. She, the prince is 25. Right. Yeah. She comes from the experience of like labor and toil and like having things and then having them taken away. Mm-hmm. So I also think that the Jupiter and Pisces comes through cause Pisces is all about the end of the Zodiac, like having experience and wisdom. Like I actually think that what, that her struggle in part of the Cinderella tale is like her struggle is what makes her appealing to the King mm-hmm. because Marguerite's never had to struggle and she's never had to like m- have a personality. Right. <laughs> like Danielle has to have something outside of, outside of just being beautiful. Like she is a person, a well, full person. And that the adversity is what has given her the empathy. Right. Oh yeah. Like that's where like all of those, like I'll, cause Pisces are so altruistic. Like that's where the altruistic feelings come from is the like, Oh, I'm down here in the trenches with you. Well, her best friends in the movie are people who used to be her servants mm-hmm. and then she became one of them. So it's yes. like her best friends are her former like women who took care of her. Right. Though. I, I also think that like they had a much different relationship before Angelica Houston showed up. Oh like, yeah. When she, when they were her servants, they were much more like her family in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, um, well, then let's move on to Saturn and Taurus because Saturn is it's often like how we deal with like structures and hierarchies around us mm-hmm. also is ruled by Saturn. That's one of its aspects. And her Saturn, the movie Saturn is in Taurus. And I'm thinking about how Danielle like is kind of a bull in a china shop when it comes to hierarchy and authority, like everywhere she goes. She, like, I mean, aside from dealing with Angelica Houston, obviously, but, like, her philosophy on hierarchies and structures is that they are, like, inherently bad. Mm-hmm. But then she obviously becomes a princess at the end also. But I'm thinking about just, like, when she's on screen, how how many times she flattens the very clear class and national politics of the scene. So, like, her first kiss with the prince is while she's being, like, captive with Romani people. <laughs> like, she, like when she's there, there's, like, no hierarchy anymore. Right. <laughs> and and the fact that she, like, carries him out. Yeah. Like, that's also just, like, such a, such a Taurus it's move. It's an incredible moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think that on the flip side of that uh, is the way that everyone else in the movie is so like consumed by the structures and consumed by the hierarchies and how like that's the only way they can envision their lives functioning because Mm. a prince has responsibilities and like that's kind of the refrain that you hear over and over is like no but like there are real practical things that you have to take care of because you are a part of this dynasty right well that's so interesting because it is like 
if this is the planet that deals with that, it's not necessarily that you want to, that everyone wants to like tear them down, but so that sign or that reading of that sign changes depending on the station of the person that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So like if you're looking at Taurus and Saturn and you're looking at the queen, she is moving heaven and earth to make sure her husband, I mean, her son marries the queen, the princess of Spain. Right. Totally. Right. Like, so, and then through Danielle's eyes, she sees it as the eyes of someone who like, she wasn't nobility, but she was well off. I think her dad was like a merchant or something. And then, you know, loses it all. So that philosophy, it's like, coming from the same place i think with different lenses well and i just can't get over how the queen thinks that marguerite is a good match for her son like i just i think the queen is momentarily enchanted with marguerite because of the stunt but after the b thing she's like yeah she this is just crazy of course of course though i mean i just love that seat the b scene so much because like (laughs) it's so perfect because haven't we all wanted to be there haven't yeah. we all wanted to just scream out and then be like, well, that's not what this was about at all. Um, but well, yeah. so next up, and we talk about this a lot on the show is like when signs line up with their home planet. Mm-hmm. And so I want us to pay attention to that. Cause this is Uran- Uranus in Aquarius, in Aquarius, 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 <laughs> Aquarius, Aquarius. Um, and so that's the home sign for this planet. And, people with Uranus and Aquarius are very into personal freedom. Mm-hmm. Like very like, can't tell them anything strong willed, going to do what they're going to do. And that's obviously very Danielle, I think. Oh, definitely. I think that like, I literally have written down here, let's care for the peasants. Let's build a school. Well, they're also instigators. Mm-hmm. And I think that she is like a huge, she's a huge instigator. Oh yeah. She is the pebble. Yeah. In everybody's shoe. Oh yeah, and like it's like the very thing that she hates being called is like you. You kind of are that. Like the you can like talk to the prince in a way that is more right. We need society needs a pebble. Right, exactly. And you are there to irritate everybody enough to change. And so yeah, I think that like that is very. She's just leading with that. Like we need to fix things, and I don't care if you try to stop me. Type of type of shit. But yeah. And that kind of leads us because the next planet, Neptune, is also in Aquarius. And when I was reading about Neptune Aquarius, it did say a lot about strong-willed freedom of expression, stuff like that. But one of the interesting things was that it was a lot about leadership Mm -hmm. as well, like being able to use that strong-willedness to bring others, like corral others with you. And I thought about how much this movie was about Danielle getting, like, basically everyone who's of lower station to help her, you know, achieve this. Like, she... I love the moment where she runs back home. She outruns the horse. Of course. She outruns the prince's horse. And then she's like, I forget their names. Not because they're servants. Just because I I don't know people's names. Sure. (laughs) Matthew Rodriguez, classist. For real. (laughs) But I remember everyone else's name, like Baroness de Ghent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, see, that's what I'm over here calling her Angelica Houston. So. Well, I mean, I am still calling that guy Colonel Sanders. True. Jurassic Park. Very true. Um, and yeah, Newman. And Newman. So she comes back home and she yells to servants. She's like, I need to get ready in 10 minutes. The prince is on his way. But so like they're her little mice in their own way or whatever. But, she, but Cinderella, it's also, Cinderella. <laughs> but no more. We're going to have to pay. That's as much <laughs> Sorry. as we can do. <laughs> but the um, it's also like in the ongoing. There's also like an ongoing battle of the film. Mm-hmm. 
like it's Baroness again and Marguerite on one side. And over the course of the film, Danielle gets more people on her side. Like in the beginning, it's her and the two servants. They can't do anything to help her. They're also servants. She eventually gets Jacqueline, queer icon Jacqueline. Truly. Um, she gets Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> you know, when Leonardo da Vinci's casually on your side. Uh huh. So, like, this whole movie is about her kind of shoring up. It's the chess game. Yes. She is slowly shoring up opponents against the Baroness until she's able to make the final move, the Scorpio moon, the, the Libra rising move of you're now a servant. Definitely. I also think that um, for me, uh, the Aquarius Neptune comes out because Neptune is like the planet of illusion. Mm. Um, and the, she's able to see through the illusion of this society mm. and like how it really is this like horribly unfair thing that they have deluded themselves into thinking is the only way to be. And so like she as an like the, cause Aquariuses are always up in their head thinking about like the new, the like what, what else is out there? They're weirdos. And uh, I think that she really embraces what they think as weird, like ideas and crazy things that actually are her just disillusioning herself. Well, I, that goes back to what we started with, which is I think that she's a manic pixie dream girl. And the 1500s version of a manic pixie dream girl is someone who doesn't believe in servants. <laughs> like, wow. Like she goes to her and she's like, do you think some people should like be free? And he's like, wow. What if rights? <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about that. <laughs> wow. Nope. 500 Days of Danielle DeBarbera. <laughs> Would watch. I did see 500 Days of Summer in theaters. Oh, I did. <laughs> Bless our um, hearts. So Pluto, as we've talked about, is kind of a generational planet. Mm-hmm. And this movie is kind of at the beginning of the generational change, which is this is the Pluto in Sagittarius. Because we just talked about someone who was, we just talked about Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. That was a millennial. Yes. This is an early Gen Zer. Ooh. <laughs> and what is Gen Z if not passion and creativity over logic and... <laughs> and the desire to change the world order. Right. Oh, my God. They are. They're all kind of want to be the pebble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. They are. Th- Gen Z is the pebble in all of our fucking shoes. Oh, I'm bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Please, stop. My crops are dying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I saw it. Is uh, Because Sagittarius is, like, also, it's just so, like, adventurous and, like, is very, like, uh, fire signy. in well, Yeah, that and my partner is a Sagittarius. And one thing I love about Sagittarius is that... They are, they're probably the sign that I'm least familiar with. Interesting. Well, one of the things I love about them is that they are fire, but like I actually think Aries can sometimes be fire without direction mm-hmm. because Sagittarius is the oldest of the fire signs. They're the most like fire with direction and fire with purpose. Hmm. Um, so I think also that's why Gen Z in this generation. So just, you know, the Pluto and Sag is people born between 96 and 2009. Okay. So it's fire with direction, fire towards something, fire that moves with a purpose. Yeah, no, and I definitely see that all throughout this movie because she is fire with a purpose. And you know what? I was thinking about this as well because I wanted to almost like, because Pluto is generational and it's, it's much less individual, I almost wanted to think about how this movie operates creatively as mm-hmm. passion with purpose. And just thinking of it as a remix on the Cinderella 
thing and what it does differently. This creativity and also ambition, mm-hmm. I think. And this is it's a it's such a small movie. Like I don't think it's not ambitious in the sense of like everything everywhere all at once. But trying to ground the Cinderella story in that opening with the Brothers Grimm and bringing in like a figure like Leonardo da Vinci and stuff like that, I do think that there actually is like a fair bit of ambition in the movie mm-hmm. and it wanting to feel like we're telling a fairy tale that ha- and also that is obsessed with class that has a heroine who talks about economics and justice. Like there is this grand ambition in the movie that I think is really admirable. While it, while it also looks or comes off as like sort of provincial, like it's kind of like not hitting you over the head with any of it. Yeah. Well, it's also I think, and I think this is a thing of of the people born between ninety six and nine is that sometimes there's ambition with not always the greatest technical know how, and I think that is part of the film like I think the film wants to do more than it can sometimes and it's like I just wish that it's it's like the opposite of the Jeremy Jordan thing like I thought it made sense dramaturgically mm-hmm. like sometimes I want to be like okay that didn't make sense dramaturgically like I wish someone had just looked up the name of the king at the time truly and just like got the correct wife's name or something you know um, so it's not always dotting its T dotting its I's and crossing its T's but the ambition and the 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 like wanting you to be awed by what it's doing is there. I totally agree. So what's your favorite placement? What do you think is the most like illuminating for you of this movie? I mean, I I think it's the Libra Rising for me. It's the same for me. Oh my god. And it's so funny because the movie has so much Leo and so much cancer mm-hmm. that I kept wanting to be like, I don't want to say Libra Rising because I feel like it's but to me, like this movie is all about Libra Rising. It leads at like it leads with with so much beauty mm. and so much like you're you're like it. I feel like when we first look at it, we're like we're in for a sweet love story, mm-hmm. which we are in for. But then it has a lot more going on. Yeah, and so I think that like is itself deceptively simple on the front, right, and complex down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love well, that. Do you want to pull a card for this movie that we can? Yeah, discuss? let's do it. All right, it's time for Tarot Corner. Oh my gosh, the fool! The fool is the like fool. my favorite. Tarot I card. love this. That's such a. Ugh, the fool is so great. Well, so for those who don't know Tarot, the fool is of the of the major arcana. It's the first one, but it's not the number one. It's the number zero. Right. Is it the first or is it the last? Is it? Oh my gosh, so true. I love poker. (laughs) Or no, that's blackjack. Sure. Um, But yeah, it represents like um, the plurality, the potential of everything. Right, and it's so idealistic. It's so idealistic, but also like, I can say a million things about this movie in the floor right now. So Mm -hmm. um, them thinking that Danielle is just a servant, but she's has so much potential, like if she were given the chance to transform the structures around her she's like a pluripotent character yes and even i'm thinking of like the potential of like something as silly as a cinderella fairy tale to be much deeper and to like have these deeper themes i love this yeah no i think that this is a perfect perfect card for this movie because it like when you first look at it it just it's like a guy starting out on an adventure, but then there's so much more actually going on in the card. And uh, I mean, I think it's also like about, 
her kind of stepping off the cliff of society into mm. a new thing that we haven't figured out yet and that we have to like create. And so she's just like, well, we gotta, we gotta take the step. So yeah, I think that the fool is the perfect card for this movie. Well, you know who else is the fool? The prince. Oh, he's such a fool. The prince is such a little fool. Mm-hmm. Not, not Patrick Dempsey. Exactly. Whatever his name is. It's actually, oh God, I looked it up and it's like a very silly name. It's Doug Ray. Oh my it's, God. It's one word. No spaces. Doug Ray? Doug Ray. D-O-U-G-R-A-Y. Fascinating. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know if it's like Dugray or whatever. I just say Doug. It's Doug it's, Ray. It's, we're American, so it's Doug, Doug Ray. Ray. Yeah. yeah. Gonna go listen to Chopin, my favorite pianist later. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, Can't wait. And go read some Descartes. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, the sun is there. It's very Leo mm-hmm. on the Fool card. Um, but also, I think, yeah, the prince is the Fool. Like, the prince is the one in kind of way who in meeting Danielle jumps off of a cliff. Like he leaves everything he knows behind. Well, and he's been trying to, but he doesn't know why. Like there's so much of like, he's running from, but he doesn't know what he's running to until he gets hit by that apple. And little white dog is Da Vinci. Yes. Urging him, Uh urging him to jump, (laughs) building him a flying contraption for the cliff. (laughs) Well, that he makes fun of at one moment. Yes. He's like you and your flying contraptions. Yep. I love it. <laughs> well, this has been great. Yeah. Um, thank you for talking about my one of my favorite movies. Of course. And one ne- day we'll get to a movie you kind of like. We'll see. <laughs> Eventually. Once we run through your top ten. <laughs> All right. Well, this was great. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>